0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: And we're back with the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode 207, a Memorial Day special. Happy Memorial Day to everyone out there. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how is uh how's your family doing on this memorial day? Y'all enjoying the day off? Day, day off. I'm working right now. We talking about day off. This ain't work, man. This is <laughs> this is fun.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. We have some uh some good friends coming over this afternoon, I think. They're supposed to come over, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You you might know that answer better than I do. So <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, I think we I think we're hanging out. Uh it's kinda of rainy, man. Like we've gotten more rain in May than I think I ever remember.
1: Oh man. I mean, I looked at the radar. We're supposed to have like four or five days of rain next week. It's like unreal. I mean, is I, everybody getting this like out, out in West Texas. It. It keeps it cool. It keeps it cool. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not complaining at all.
0: So, uh, speaking of not complaining, Josh, we have a couple reviews that come in. Let me see if I can get it pulled up here. Five stars, of course, as always. So this is from Simon Bones. Great discussion for Texas oil and gas professionals. I'm glad to have found this podcast great weekly discussion with industry professionals about current events and market trends. This is for, and the next one is from purple frog 37 great podcast covers all aspects of the industry. You guys have your finger on the pulse of the industry. Appreciate how you guys mix it up and cover all areas high and low of the industry. It would be great to get a talk touching on the different operating styles and exploration tactics of small independents. Why it cut off? Um, it cuts off, and I read this for some reason. So small independents versus large operators, and maybe how I don't know. I, I'll see if, if I can dig that up. I'm, I'm on my Mac, it's cutting it off. So I apologize about that. But anyway, I think I think I know where you're heading. So appreciate the five star reviews. If we could get some more, we'd appreciate that. Always helps helps the show. And uh, let's see here, Mr. Joshua. It's the last. Man, it's the last May in. The last day of May of the month. It's it's crazy how fast this year's gone compared to last year's just absolute snail pace.
1: Yeah, man. I'm I i can not believe we're already at this point, man. Uh I mean we're we're about to at month six for the year. And I just feel like uh feel like it was February just last last week, man. It's just flying by. But things are looking good, man. What are what are oil prices at today? I I uh I've been checking on that, so they're at sixty seven WTI, sixty seven. Um, man, the market's just uh kind of kind of holding steady right now. Uh, I've talked to uh, several people. Um, one guy was uh he was over at Slumberjay. Now it's uh, Liberty, I believe. And man, they've they've been busy, man. They've blowing and going.
0: Yeah, I, yeah.
1: Um,
0: so far so good, so far so good, you know what should say And so I talked to someone the other day, and a former guest of the podcast, a recurring guest I won't say the name, because um, I don't know if he wants it public But he he told me he thought it going to 100, and I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> that's aggressive That's aggressive, but you know what, aggressive takes are, are, are you know, we like aggressive takes, so we'll see where things shake out. A uh, couple news and notes here about the podcast, Josh. Speaking of being a vacation, we do have vacation coming up in two weeks, right? Yeah, we do. Two weeks. two weeks. So We'll be here this week, obviously. We'll be here next week, I believe. And then the 14th, though, we are out. We're going down to rip a little lip in South Texas. And so that will be fun. And then the 21st, Assuming I am moving, for those of you who do not know, and assuming I am moved and can actually function, we'll be back the 21st. If not, it will be the 2028. 20, so um, that's just a little housekeeping there. Uh, I, I, know, I think we have a guest coming on at 1030, Mr. Shelton. So but let's go on and get into whatever else we got. To talk okay, about.
1: so uh, we remember we were talking about Semirex and Cabot Oil and Gas. Um, they were doing an all-stock merger. Um, I mentioned on there that for the past two years, all mergers, 100% of them that I've seen have all been penalized on the stock market. Every time without fail, uh, mergers have have been being penalized on the stocks. Um, So I I saw this article from Seeking Alpha because I wanted to go and check. Uh, Simirex was actually up 5%, but Cabot was down, uh, I believe, by about the same margin. Um, but uh, seeking alpha had an article that came out, and then the title of the article was Simarex Energy and Capital oil and Gas Deal Not Seeing Much Love from Wall Street. Um, and they go on to talk about how surprisingly, uh, they were expecting to have good results on the stocks, but they're not. Um, I'm not sure if the person that wrote that article has been following the oil and gas industry too well for the past couple of years, just because all any type of merger that I've seen has been penalized, but we're seeing, we're seeing that happen. Now, when I say penalized, they just, they just drop. Uh, There's just drops in their, in their stock prices. Uh, So there's not a lot of benefit uh, from the synergies that they're actually getting in real time. They're not being reflected in their stock stock values.
0: And, you know, and this deal is kind of weird because it's not one, it's not two companies that you would have naturally put together, right? You would have put these two companies together with their positions and what they do and, and all that. So, this one might get hammered even even harder because of because of all that. So, but listen, hey, why are you burying the lead, man? Why are you burying the lead? Let's talk about Chevron, Exxon, and Shell. I mean, let's l- listen. You got Exxon, who we talked about engine number one on this podcast. I don't know how far back it's been a while <clears throat> about how they're trying to get uh, a board seat on the and the, on Exxon's, and they got it. They got it. They got two, actually, two board seats. Okay, uh, and then you have um, Chevron's voters. Uh, I don't have the verbiage in front of me. Um, let's see here. I don't have the vote. Anyways, they they have a vote for. Um, yeah, here it is. Chevron's management was able to succeed in convincing shareholders to approve its preferred slate of directors, but the company suffered a loss on to share, on a shareholder proposal to cut so-called scope three emissions by a vote of 61% according to the primary count. This means that shareholders of Chevron expect the company to somehow control and reduce the emissions calls when it is, when its products are used by its customers. That's according to our good friend, David Blackman and then shell. Um, this is a Dutch court decision ordering shell to drastically, I'm sorry, dramatic, dramatically expand its plan to cut greenhouse emissions. Uh, and according to, to Blackman, already one of the more aggressive major oil companies in this area, Shell had earlier this year adopted targeted cuts of at least 6% by 2023, 20% by 2030, 45% by 2035, and 100% by 2050 from its 2016 levels. But as, Ro- as, but as reported by Reuters, the court found the Shell's plan was not concrete and is full of conditions. That's not enough. Mr. Shelton big old's in trouble or is it is this good news for big old
1: I don't know I mean it's hard hard to say um I think I think the the interest from the, the guy that wants to see kind of the the different type of uh, operations being done by these small independents and bigger companies <laughs> you know it that, that's <laughs> gonna be the question yeah
0: um I mean I think you know we we talked about this before which is the motivations for big oil and how they operate are just different than the smaller operators. And so if big oil can choke out its competition through legislation, then good for them. Um I say good for them in the sense of that makes sense. I'm not, not encouraging it per se but good like that that, that that's what they that's how they think about it. So you know I think the thing to to follow is and someone pointed out to me last week um that the activists have struggled to get these legislative matters uh passed through congress or the epa or wherever and so now they're going inside the boards and just change the boards and that's kind of the new strategy well okay if that's true then i think it's really a double dip right because once you get exxon to adopt this policy Exxon's going to do what? They're gonna call up Congress and say everyone should adopt this policy. Yeah. Congress is going to say, well, if Exxon's adopting this policy, then everyone should adopt this policy. So it's actually maybe a pretty. Um, so if that person's right about they're trying to change this the company profile, I would take it a step further, say that then the company would take it to the policymakers, and the policymakers will then take it back to the, the small operators potentially. Uh, so that's kind of the that's kind of the concern here that you wake up, you know, six months or two years or three years from now, and Big Oil is the one who is pushing things that small operators can't handle, you know, and that's not a good spot to be in.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you see some of the stuff that happened with, uh, with some of the shutdowns happen um, for these businesses, Amazon was pushing for $15 minimum wage. You know, uh, they were pushing for some of this because as a company, they could handle it uh, better than some of these smaller companies could. They know that, if it pushes the competition out at that point, they can start being a little more flexible with their prices and, uh, and get that money back and have all that market share. Right. Um, this that's, to be
0: clear, Josh, that's a good point. There's no law that prevents you from setting your own internal minimum wage. Right. right. So Amazon can set their own internal minimum wage. And you see companies do this at 15, 20, 30, 40 bucks an hour, whatever it is. They could do that. Right. No, no, nothing stops them from doing it when they, push it outwards what they're trying to do is is cut the competition off there so if amazon wanted to say we we will not hire anybody for less than 25 dollars an hour they're going to scoop up a lot of folks i mean they are because that's a good paying job fifty thousand dollars a year right but the companies who can't afford that they will get the 25 to whatever the minimum wage is seven bucks or whatever Mm -hmm. those guys but then amazon comes and says "No, no 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 sorry you you had to pay what we're paying because we're paying it then all of a sudden you put this this enormous pressure on the small guys. And you know, this is don't get on the minimum wage rabbit hole, but it's quite frustrating because everyone talks about these big companies. Well, these big companies are not, um, are not stopping. Uh, they're not stopping. No one's stopping them from
1: making, um, their own internal deals and some of them do it, but they push it out. So. Yeah. Very frustrating. But uh, you you see that happening here. Um, and, and I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on some of these smaller companies. Hopefully the legislators and these different um, states are more savvy to it. And unfortunately, Ron, I, I don't, I don't see that being the case. Anything that's pushing green, especially in the current administration is going to be, um, it's going to be backed by the government, I think, and it's going to put enormous pressure on those smaller producers. Sure. all right Ron. so uh, a couple of things so um one of the things that that we've talked a little bit about is when the market started uh focusing on returning cash to shareholders uh, that that really began a major shift in the industry this was probably i guess two and a half three years ago this became a major topic and a lot of these companies started being evaluated differently and so now as they're Building out these portfolios, companies are changing the metrics by which they measure the, the success of a company. They want to know how long will it take for you to cash flow? How much money will you make in, in a certain amount of time? They're not looking at how much oil will be produced per se as the major metric. It's it's how much will it cost you to produce the oil and how much money will that oil produce in a certain amount of time. And that has caused the rig counts, according to this article uh, from MRT, to, um, to decrease tremendously. Uh, so uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, you may contest some of it, but um, that, that, that shift to bringing in a uh, profit to the shareholders has certainly been something that we've been watching for a while. And obviously, the pandemic didn't help that in any way. In in <laughs>
0: No, you you didn't make any money last year, so but the prices have to stay high, you know the and so if the prices will just stay where they're at, um and listen, I will put this in the show notes we had on last week on Inside the War Room, Mark Rossano talking about the economy, and so um, for folks who are interested in that kind of stuff, um, I'll put that in the show notes and you go check out Mark's uh, in my conversation about economy, oil prices, and why the prices actually, from our perspective a little bit high, and it has to do with where the storage is at. It has to do with um, what's actually happening when you look at how the market's being traded. And I would refer you to one other person on Twitter, Big Orin, who covers this. So the price is high now. It doesn't matter what you think. It is high. It's good, but I think it's a little bit um, a little bit overinflated. And listen, here, I think our guest is in the waiting room. Uh, ben, give me a thumbs up if you're ready back there. There he is. Let's bring him on. Okay, get him on the big screen here. Good
1: morning.
2: There he is, morning, ben. Man. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, How about you? Good. Loud and clear? Yeah. yeah
0: doing great. So uh, you've been on the show, I think, maybe a couple years ago. Why don't you introduce yourself? You have a new venture you're talking about. So uh, a little bit about, about yourself and what, what uh, we're going to talk about today.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I was on, I think, a year or two ago uh, to talk about Mineralware, which is our sister company. So, MineralWare is a product that we built. Uh, I guess we launched about seven years ago, back in 2014, uh, which is a cloud-based mineral and royalty management platform. And uh, that has grown, you know, from a couple of us to we've got about 25 employees on that side. And uh, you know, our client base uh, dramatically sort of shifted uh, from the first day that you know we launched the product. As you can imagine, our our, our solution was pretty much only. Uh, satisfactory for the small mineral and royalty owners um, and you know as we brought on some capital we ended up moving more and more into the the bigger institutions so think of like your your nonprofits your uh, your bigger family offices universities hospitals that own minerals that sort of thing and for the longest period of time we we kind of uh, stayed out of the mineral aggregating space meaning You know, these bigger these bigger mineral buyers obviously need a platform to help them manage sort of what they've acquired. Uh, But it's a lot more you know, they they need some uh, kind of more sophisticated bells and whistles, if you will. And so we sort of um, uh, stayed out of that space for a while. And in the last two years, we made a, a big push into that market. And as we've done that, the general feedback has been, hey, you know, we love mineralware. It's a great product. Uh, but it'd be really great if we could actually buy and sell properties online, and so that was sort of the the genesis of Energy Domain, which is our new venture. So it's essentially a uh, transaction platform for oil and gas properties. More specifically, upon launch, uh, it's going to be minerals, royalties, and non-operated working interest.
0: Okay. Well, you you covered a lot of a lot of ground there. Uh, <laughs> I, I was actually. Uh, Josh, I don't know why you weren't invited, but you know we won't get into that. I was actually able to see a—I don't know—beta version is the right way, but a pre-launch version of this product. Uh Josh and I both had some experience in the real estate background, and this is kind of like a mesh of Zillow and okay. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to fix it. Craigslist, but it looks you know a thousand times better than Craigslist. But it's kind of like a, a <laughs> Zillow meets Craigslist, all in the 2020. Yeah, that's it. Craigslist is. 1990, so don't, don't take the old look, but it, it has the ability to go and look and zoom in, um, and, and see just like if you're looking for real estate stuff uh, on Zillow, but you can do more on Zillow. All you do is look here, you can actually go through the process to bet the deals. Um, and I mean, some of the features you guys have are, are pretty, pretty slick,
2: yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, yeah. I would say it's it's a pretty good combo of like Zillow, eBay, and Craigslist, like you said, uh, or yeah. More, yeah. Much eBay, sure yeah. Up to that up-to-date version. Um, Yeah, no, I I appreciate it. The the whole general concept for us is bringing a more up-to-date solution to the market. Obviously, there are a couple other groups out there that that are similar. We felt like we could apply a lot of the technical expertise we had developed building mineralware and apply that to this new marketplace concept. And so the, the big keys for us are sort of streamlining the process of creating a listing. So you're actually even opening this up to mineral and royalty owners as well beyond just You know professionals transacting um and then also on the buy side providing the buyers all the tools they would need to actually conduct their due diligence on the deal directly on the platform so you know most other companies or or any other online transaction platform or really any transaction platform you're kind of going to a buyer's going to a, a particular deal and they're looking at a virtual data room they're looking at deeds and check stubs and all kinds of information that they're going to use to conduct their due diligence. They end up going to all these other data platforms to kind of vet out the deal, whether they're looking at permit or activity or production uh, data. And so we're actually providing all that in one solution and it's completely free unless you uh, obviously transact a deal. We collect a a commission.
0: And before we go further, you guys are licensed and all that jazz. so it's not yeah. People here are like, whoa, "Whoa!" So maybe, but I know you have like I think Series Seven potentially. What do you have?
2: Yeah. So we are. Yeah, we are. We are a. Bro- we have our own broker dealer. Uh, so uh, not to get into the weeds on securities law and stuff, but yeah, we uh, we are a licensed uh, broker dealer.
0: Okay. Uh, well, yeah. For those who are listening, who goes, I'm not too sure about this. This is all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So
2: up- yeah, it's actually funny because we've had a few folks. So so to kind of step back a second, we opened up for registration two or three weeks ago. And essentially what we're doing is we're collecting all of our buyers in a hopper and setting up deals on the side simultaneously, just so we can establish that critical mass on both sides before we push all the deals live. And we have actually gotten a few folks that, uh, you know, push back because we collect a lot of information up front. You know, as a broker dealer, we're asking, you know, social security numbers, EIN, stuff like that. That's all to verify identity and run it through all the proper anti-money laundering and terrorist protocols and all that. Um, Obviously, if I could just collect your email address and your name, I would do that. It's not like we're trying to collect your information. So that's, you know, Facebook has kind of ruined it for a lot of people because they think that we're just trying to steal people's data in some case. But um, a majority of folks are very understanding. They know it's something that we just have to collect. But you're going to get that small percentage of people that just aren't going to share their information, no matter how legitimate or federally regulated you are.
1: Yeah, so uh, what are y'all seeing right now with mineral values, like in West Texas, New Mexico, or like um, these private owners that are that are trying to sell? I mean, has the market been really tough here in the last year, or
2: uh, well, have
1: things continue pretty steady?
2: Well, so in, we actually were going to launch back at nape of last year. Fortunately, uh, we did we did not. Um, the good news was we didn't miss out on a lot of deal flow in <laughs> 2020. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, you know, I would say that 2020, all that did was it didn't really lower sellers' expectations as much. And that's, that's pretty much the norm. Um, just because mineral owners, you know, they get One offer in the mail, you know, whether it was in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, depending on what the market was doing, it really doesn't matter to them. They see that number one time, and that's what it's worth in their head. Um, So in twenty twenty, it just sellers' expectations remain the same. Buyers just got even further and further away, and so that arbitrage, yeah, I think in the last few months has definitely gotten a lot more realistic. So I think the bid ask spread is is a lot more realistic today. But yeah, absolutely, I'd, I'd say you know, West Midland Basin, Northern Delaware, which is no surprise are going to be your more expensive properties right now.
0: One of the questions I get, um, often being is, you know, like if you, someone, someone sent me something and said, hey, is this a good deal or not? Right. And, and how do I, how do I find out if it's a good deal? It's like, I I don't know. I'm not a geologist, you know, but your guys site, when I went to your office that day, uh, you're pulling up like, you know, Hey, here's a, you know, so if someone sent you some uh, acreage in this area, you can go to your site and you can actually see the acreage. You can see the existing wells. You can see the Mm -hmm. logs, like maybe unpack that. So this is the, the thing that impressed me so much was, not the transaction side because that's very clean and cut, but the the ability to do due diligence as you've kind of talked about some, but you can really get a lot of information on the site and that's going to be helpful. And so it's going to be a, a deal where um, I think you guys will see a lot of people going to your site as, as a, um, as a tool as a resource to kind of get familiar with stuff that they're not sure with. And of course, they'll eventually probably convert to leads at some point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned a little bit uh, earlier, You know, anytime you're transacting a royalty deal, mineral deal, non-op, there's a lot of different hoops that you have to jump through to evaluate it. So for us, um, although we do have a, you know, a a broker license and all that, um, we are trying to be a pure play exchange. So we're not trying to, we're not going to provide valuations or anything like that. Ultimately, every buyer is going to use their own valuation, you know, their own models for for any deal that they're looking at. And so what we're trying to do is get these buyers as far up the hill when evaluating the deal as possible. And we use that just aggregating all the public data. So anytime that you're looking at a listing, well, when I say that public data, but also the listing specific data. So when a buyer is looking at a deal, they can see all their check stubs. So anytime a seller puts a deal on our platform, instead of just putting PDFs, of check stubs or scanned scanned images of check stubs or jib statements, joint interest billing statements we we use a lot of the same technology we built for mineralware to digitize all that check stub data and the joint interest billing data so that a buyer let's say especially nowadays buyers are looking at uh, not, they're really not valuing as much upside as they used to so it's a lot more straightforward and they're looking at pdp you know they have a, a very specific model that they use and in order to sort of pull data into a model, they need the data in a format that's easily ingestible. So all of our checkstub stub data and JIB data is very easily ingestible where a buyer can move that into their model. But also from the public data side with with our partnership with Miraware, which is another company under our umbrella, as I mentioned earlier, we, we are aggregating all of the well data, permit data and production data from every producing state in the country right now, um, just like any other big data vendor is. Uh, and we're providing that to our users for free. So when a buyer is looking at our at any deal on our platform, um, they can see all the tracks that are part of the listing. They can see all the leases. It draws a three mile radius around the listing and it populates all the public data. Um, so instead of paying for an expensive you know, data subscription in order to evaluate a deal, it's all directly. It's all f- completely free directly on our platform. Obviously, we have to draw kind of a radius around it, just so people don't use it as a, as a free version of a you know a, a data any other data platform they would pay for.
0: Yeah, and that's what's really, you know, in the old gas industry, we we always talk about how, you know, we're behind the data curve, but guys like you are kind of pushing that envelope, saying, okay, you know, we can, um, <clears throat> and we, we can compete with other industries and you know, we can kind of have the, the, the sexy technology, if you will. And so it's kind of, it's kind of good to see, because, you know, if you were to, you know, just take this and take energy out of it and place it with something else, it looks like any other app that you'd find looking for homes or you know whatever. And, and Zillow is obviously a huge company and y'all's app looks just as clean as
2: theirs does. Sure. No, that's a good point. And, and another thing to keep in mind too, is, is that because we're opening this up, not only just to sellers that are not professionals, Uh, we're also opening this up to buyers. And when I say not professionals, these are, these are family offices uh, or wealthy individuals that want energy exposure, you know, whether it's buying minerals, royalties, not op eventually we're moving into operated working interests as well, but they don't have the ground game. Number one, Uh, so we're bringing the deals directly to them, but then number two, they don't have the infrastructure or the need to, to pay for these other expensive data subscriptions that they would otherwise pay for in order to evaluate deals. And so we're making that completely free to them. Um, which, which again just ultimately opens up. So anytime somebody lists a deal on our platform, we're we're opening that market up to this other, this whole other pool of buyers that traditionally don't have those tools to evaluate deals.
0: Yeah. So let's unpack that here a little bit. Um, you know, for, we have kind of mid small operators, large operators, and then people who buy all listen to our podcast. Um, Maybe walk us through what 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 is your expectation? Are you guys um, if they list, is it an exclusive deal? Um, can they list on other sites? Can that maybe how does the listing side go? Um, or you know, is there limitations on you know they can list deal A on your site, but then deal B it's not related. Can be listed somewhere else? Any kind of mm-hmm. stuff like that?
2: Yeah. So our so our exclusivity is strictly on a deal by deal basis. It's not a relationship based. Meaning, you know, when you first create your listing, you can either do it yourself, you can leverage us to help you with it. Um, there are a couple different options. So instead of pigeonholing our sellers into an auction process, we also give our clients the ability to create what we refer to as a negotiated sale listing. So we have a lot of sellers that have said in the past, you know, I don't need to divest in the next month but you know we're looking at divesting this asset in q3 or q4 but if you're telling me that i can do a negotiated sell today and somebody's willing to just make me an offer kind of like a make me move type concept you know with zillow um, it's a they can negotiate the sale directly on our platform so there's a couple different options but they can also in addition to that add in a buy it now price as well so we've had a lot of buyers tell us in the past that you know, there, there might be a, a buyer that has, you know, a big acreage position. I'm just for the sake of simplicity. Um, I'll give an example, you know, a buyer's got a big position in Haynesville, and there's a seller on our platform that has put, you know, there's some bolt on acreage that would fit really well into this buyer's existing, uh, existing acreage. Uh, and let's say that that particular acreage in the Hainesville, they have a very, very low cost basis. Uh, and they would be willing to pay this elevated buy it now price just because it fits so well into their existing uh, acreage um and at that point it's really just even though they're paying an over you know they're paying a, an elevated price to the buy it now it's actually still leveling out at a relatively low cost basis as you average it out throughout the portfolio it's giving our buyers some flexibility as well because they can go ahead and take it off the market if they want to they're not forced to kind of sit there and go back and forth through an auction the entire time.
0: And then on the buyer side, is this for people who are just getting into minerals or do you need to be a more sophisticated buyer? Do you guys kind of have the ability to bridge those folks who are new um, you know, who who are you trying to target on the buy side? Because it's so clean that anyone can use it, but it might not be for the beginner.
2: I'm, I'm yeah, kidding. no, that's a great, great question. Uh, all of our buyers have to be accredited investors. Uh, we also do ask, you know, a, a bunch of suitability questions. You will need to have experience in oil and gas, uh, and so we do get to know. You know, it's all your kind of know your customer type of rules, and um, so we do vet out all of our buyers. Uh, So yeah, it's not just for for everybody per se, uh, but we've tried to make it as easy as possible uh, so that anybody could use it. Uh, And and I actually meant to touch on this earlier as far as you guys asked about exclusivity. So anytime somebody lists a deal on Energy Domain, it's exclusive as long as the deal is on the platform Uh, and then there's a trailing 30-day period if they pull the asset off the platform. Now, if a buyer learns about one of our seller's deals on the platform there's a one-year exclusive period at that point in time. So if they actually make the connection and also learn about the asset, then it's a one-year exclusivity.
0: Okay. Uh, I think final question here. Um, Is it possible to list an asset that maybe has no real value um, and a couple of bums run it and this is a bunch of talking it really doesn't produce anything, but but it's more podcast related. Can we take this? I, I'm asking, can we list this podcast on the platform? Like, can, can we can we take this, list it, overvalue, and, and get an exit? <laughs> is We're looking for the exit. Can we get the exit?
2: Yeah. So you know what we try to do, even though we are a you know like I said before a peer play exchange, uh, there is a level of due diligence that we do before deals go up on the platform. Just because ultimately <laughs> it's such a small space that people talk. I mean, no you know. You're throwing a bunch of not state, not your, not your podcast, but any, we've got there's some assets that people you know have tried to throw up in the last few weeks that don't make any sense uh, for what we're trying to do, and uh, it's just going to give us kind of a bad name. So we do there is a level of due diligence that we do on the front end as well.
0: For that oceanfront property that Josh and I have in Arizona is not going up there either. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, yeah, we will. This we is, are we are looking at eventually getting into to other spaces as well. We're trying to stay pretty laser focused on oil and gas, but uh, you never know. Uh, I think there there are some real estate applications as well, long term. So maybe awesome. you guys will be in luck.
0: There we go. Okay. Um, okay. So the website is energydomain.com. If you can't spell that, you can't be in the energy space. I'm going to leave that alone. Energydomain.com is the website. Ben, it's good to get you on on this Monday. Thank you for hopping on with us. Anything else before we let you go?
2: Yeah, I was—I meant to mention. So, as I as I, I talked about this very briefly, but we opened up uh, for registration two or three weeks ago, uh, and we're pushing everything completely live June fifteenth. Uh, so, if you're interested in signing up as a buyer, just go ahead. or, or a seller, just go ahead and go through the registration process. Uh, that way, you're ready to kind of see deals day one.
0: And the buyers have to be accredited. If you do not know what that means, just Google it. And But the sellers don't, obviously, because it's theoretically possible you could have stuff to sell and you're not investors. So the buy side is accredited. The sell side, as long as you have a viable asset, um, get in contact with Ben and his team over there at Energy Domain. Um, Okay. All right. Well, thank you, sir. It was good to have you on. And best of luck to you guys as you move forward.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Josh. Y'all have a good Memorial Day. Take care. Me too. Me too, All right, Mr. Shelton, what else? all
1: right uh last couple things for us ryan number one uh heart energy had an exclusive about opec plus likely to stick with their policy uh so they're gradually easing oil supply curbs uh, and that's what their that's what the expectation is for june 1st that is tomorrow um that is a meeting that i think uh, a lot of people in the west texas area should have their eye on um that could that could have some impacts on on where we see oil prices. So the expectation is they're going to continue that, and so we should see prices stay where they're at. Um, but that would be what we what we need to confirm. I think I think it's tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I think
1: you're right. Um, and we do
0: not have Energy Week this week. Doctor Wald is out, so uh, we'll be covering that next week on the show. I'm sure, Mr. Shelton. Um, you now. We can't break this news yet. You know what I'm talking about. I got some news this weekend that was kind of interesting. So hopefully, we can break that news. But that's that. That will be an interesting conversation for the Texas Roundup when we can talk about about that deal here. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. But with that, I hope that everyone has a great Memorial Day weekend. We um, hope you did by the time you
2: heard this. And until next time, keep climbing.